This is Claire Parker. And I'm Ashley Hamilton. And this is Celebrity Memoir Book Club. You had a real panic attack just now when we started recording, you guys. We are using mic stands and two sets of headphones for the first time. We are leveling up. I really do feel like I've like gotten behind the curtain now. Like I am Oz. It's very much OT level four in Scientology and Mormonism. The aliens when you are the in secret. our bodies, <laughs> and we have to pray them out. Um, I was overwhelmed by that knowledge, Claire. Yes. If you were to write a memoir, what would you title this week's chapter? Okay, I don't know what I would title it. Check in. I would title it check in. Okay. I don't know what I would title it check in. As you guys may or may not remember, last week I said I was going to be waking up at 6 a.m. every day. How did that go? Not good. Okay. Did you wake up at 6 a.m. any day? Not even once. 7 a.m.? Yes, one time. Okay. On a Monday, last Monday I woke up at 7 a.m. and I had a really productive, intense day. I worked like super hard all day. I worked past midnight, like nonstop, and I was so exhausted that the next day I was like, I have to sleep in, and then I think that got me off on a pretty bad foot. Mm. The, the problem is that like Mac is not supportive. Okay, I'm going to need you to elaborate because I do feel like Mac is extremely supportive. <laughs> he is in like 99% of the things in my life, but he is not for me waking up at six. Whenever I tell him that, he's just like, but why? So you mean he's not supportive in that he is not forcing you out of bed? I do think he could be like, you get out of bed, but then it backfired because you know how I'm obsessed with moving around the furniture in my room. He has put a a kibosh on it. He's like, it stays how it is. It's freeze tag and we're frozen. And I really want to switch the two dressers. And I was like, well, hear me out, Mac. This is for you because when the sun comes into the window now that is daylight savings, it comes right into our eyeballs and then on top of that it goes right into the mirror over the dresser and doubles back into our eyeballs so we have like two laser beams of early oh my morning god light. you should honestly well first of all get curtains second of all <laughs> i do think that you could end up lighting yourself on fire like ants that's what i said to him <laughs> I said, we're gonna cook ourselves like ants and i was like mac and i go hear me out this isn't just because i want to move the furniture this is for you i was like it's because it's waking us up so early and it's so bright and it's right in our eyes and he goes and i was like and it's up at like 6 30 a.m and he goes that shouldn't be a problem i thought you would be out of bed at that time and i was like damn <laughs> i got got with my own dumb ideas but if you're also new i don't normally blame the listeners but this week i will say last week i said please dm me with your goals for the week things you want to be held accountable for and we'd create an accountability group chat. And Can I say that maybe we have very self-sustained, a self-sustained listenership who actually doesn't need to improve because they're already perfect? It's possible, but then I feel bad that you guys are like, I, maybe they're all listening to me as a case study. Like maybe <laughs> all of our listeners are in our grad science. school <laughs> and they have to do like a, a case study on a girl who just cannot get the fuck out of bed, even though she says she's a morning person. Every week I'm going to give myself like a new productivity life betterment task. I'm trying to get back into cellar juice, but that's after I wake up early. That's like the next week. And I feel like since I failed last week's test, I'm re-upping for this week. I do want to say, I think 6am was ambitious. I, I will take this opportunity to say, I told you so. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to move it up to 7am because I, I want to set myself up for success. I think 7am is a very reasonable wake up time for an early get shit done kind of day. 
I yes, and I have to say, when I wake up earlier, my whole day is better, and I like it. But I do think it has to be a reasonable amount of time. So. The rest of this week, I'm going to wake up at 7. Feel free to DM me. I guess if you're all better than me and you don't need freaking mutual support, feel free to just DM me regular ass support. Send her your tips. How about? I thought you were going to say send me your tits. And I was like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Ashley. Yes? (laughs) How was this chapter of your life? The week of the chapter. I had a pretty... Product actually no, I had a, like a a pretty debaucherous weekend, but I had a pretty productive day today. Specifically, I started bringing back my morning walks. I do think I hate to say the weather changing changes me, but no, it my does. God does it. I feel like I got too drunk a lot this weekend, and I'm starting to decide that maybe I shouldn't drink so much if I want to keep looking pretty. But other than that, I'm having a nice time, just living life, excited for some stuff to come back. My parents got half the vaccine, so I might like leave town eventually and go see them again. I'm excited Crazy. about that. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen them in a bit. Yeah, not since November. Anyway, things are looking up. I'm so excited. Should we get into this week? I think we should. Actually, No. First, I want to say thank you to the listeners who have given us a rating or a review on iTunes. If you haven't, I would appreciate it more than anything. Me and Claire, like I just said, I'm trying to drink less, and so I need to get drunk off of reviews. Also, I wanted to say, if you are a Patreon subscriber, hope you're loving it. If you are not, we are starting to dish out some really exciting Patreon-exclusive content. This week, we talked to our friend Nicole Boyce, who does a Kim Kardashian book club on TikTok, and we read a page of Kim Kardashian's selfie book and discussed the Kardashians and Taylor Swift's sexual orientation. Tuesday of this week, the Demi Lovato documentary comes out. We will put all of our live reactions and final thoughts on the Patreon. So please check it out. You guys know we got hot, hot takes. God, I'm very excited to see that doc. So you guys, this week, I am so excited. I reached out to this person because I'm legitimately a fan of his work. He does some of the funniest recaps of TV on the internet. <laughs> what, a, um, what a lot of media words in one <laughs> sentence. Brian Moylan is an incredible writer for Vulture. He's so funny, and he's a Real Housewives expert. He's also... I don't remember, ghostwriter, co-writer, both writer, the other writer. Big writer. Help writer. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I like to imagine? Um, This is such a diversion, but when I taught pre-K, one of the things we were taught is that if a kid needed an EpiPen, we legally are not allowed to administer it to them. What? So what we have to do is put the EpiPen in the child's hand and then take our hand over their hand and then like guide their hand, but legally their hand has to be in our hand in order to stab themselves. And that's how I feel about a lot of memoirs. Mm. Like I think the ghostwriter is the guiding hand, but like legally that little baby hand has to be in there or else the the medicine can't get into the thigh. But Brian Moylan. Yes. Is a baby hand. No, he was the big hand. Oh yeah. For Erica Jane's baby hand. (laughs) She is the real housewife icon legend star. She is pop, dance, music, number one hit. Anyway, she put out a book, Pretty Mess, all about her life, and we are so excited to get into it with Brian. He's going to give us behind the scenes, hot takes. Also, at the end of this episode, we did another extra hour with him where he talks everything Bravo. We get into Vanderpump Rules, Stassi, what Jax and Brittany will name their baby, Summer House, Jen Shaw, all of it. So that'll be on the Patreon. That'll also be on the Patreon. Another amazing bonus content on the Patreon. But first, we're going to give you guys a real quick rundown of Erica Jane's life. Trust me, it is not going to be difficult because she has, I would like to say, a par for the course life. 
I would like to say it's, I would like to say she took a very normal order of events and got it on television, which we have yet to do. We have yet to do. Um, Here we go. Real quick, the rundown on Erica Girardi from birth to now. So Erica Girardi, nay, not Girardi. I don't know that they ever really say what her name is. Erica Nay Girardi. (laughs) So she was born in 1971 in Atlanta, and her book is pretty linear and straightforward. I mean, she talks about, you know, performing from a young age. She tells a story when she was five. She was, like, in the church play, and she wasn't cast as the lead, so she goes up to this teacher and says, I'm better than her, and, like, bumps that girl and gets her role. When she's three, she's seen playing outside, so she gets signed to, like, a local Atlanta modeling agency, and she's doing, like, little she you know what I mean she spent her whole childhood kind of like She's auditioning and performing always been a performer she was like she went to a um, magnet school that had like a major performing a high school yeah that would program. do like they would go to Europe every spring break and do a tour they were allowed to perform at the Atlanta Olympics yes the Atlanta Olympics and then also at the Coca-Cola Stadium yeah so she had some big hits in the amateur arena <laughs> She had some big hits in high school. She also grew up with a single mother who was close with her grandparents. So she yeah. she didn't grow up like destitute. They would live with her grandparents who had like a second house and a boat. But things were certainly not stable. No, her mom sounds like she hated her. Yeah, her mom sounds like she would have made a different choice if she'd understood the option. Well, she says, I know Renee loved me. Her mother was named Renee, which is what she called her because she said she saw her as a peer, not as a mother. I knew Renee loved me, but I knew she would have been okay without me. She probably would have preferred to follow her dreams rather than having to raise me, which I think is important for later when we see what Erica herself, how she lives her life. She talks about how her mother, um, the thing I heard her say more than anything else was, I'm miserable. It's funny, her, she like talks about the awful things her mom would say to her. They don't sound too different than what like our parents would say. I know. So her mom really supported her performing in that her mom like encouraged her to keep performing, but her mom would also criticize and make fun of her performances. Which is, I mean, been there, been yeah, I mean, who she would hasn't? like leave and be like, that one wasn't very good. And I was like, I mean, that's yeah. how you get better. You get told you suck. Or at the very least, that's how you get funny. <laughs> but, you know, she sent her to dance classes. She took her all these auditions and stuff. Erica really thinks of herself as like quite the little business lady. She talks about how at seven years old, all the money they made from her like modeling and acting gigs would be put back into acting and dance classes. And she's like, I always need to take your profits and put it back into the business. And I was like, I do think that's just because your mom didn't have a lot of money. And so she used you to pay for you. I, don't, I mean, I don't know if that's business savvy or just there's only $30 here. (laughs) So she talks about how in senior year of high school, she does an audition for the big musical and her, the head teacher essentially blackmails her says, if you don't audition, you don't get to graduate because it's part of your performing arts grade. So in high school, she didn't want to do her final um, musical, like the last musical of the year. And her teacher was like, you must. And so he goes, well, this girl who's one of the main parts sucks. Why don't you audition for it? And then he's like, all right, I'm going to give it to you both. You do every other night. You get closing night. She gets opening night. And then, of course, she gets there, and it turns out the whole thing was a lie, and the main girl got to do every night. And so Erica talks about how, to this day, she's mad they never got to settle anything. And then she's also mad at the girl who played her role because she borrowed her shoes and never returned them. And it's like, I think we can let it go. As you say yourself, you're a bitch with two planes. So So at 18, her and her mother moved to New York City. And I think it's interesting because even though they have such a complicated relationship, they both moved to New York. They share a one-bedroom apartment. Erica takes the loft. um, And she wants to make it as an actress. It doesn't go great. I think she gets like a bit roles in Law & Order. Yeah, I think she's been in Law & Order twice, she said. Yeah, she says she's on the pilot episode. 
Um, but so she moves up there. She's trying to make a go of it. This is when she's a go-go dancer. If you watch Real Hot Sides, you know she used to be a go-go dancer. She like worked at all these different places in New Jersey. She was a, a real club rat. She said it was like the 90s club days, late 80s, yeah. early 90s clubbing days. She was going hard. She ended up falling in love with a DJ. Ugh, who hasn't? He gets her pregnant. They get married. She moves in with him. She's like 22 at the time. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, that fell apart. So then here's where things get a little bit interesting. So she decides that in order to be the best mother, or I don't know if it is really has to do with her motherhood. I think in order to be the best version of herself and therefore provide for her child, mm-hmm. she decides that there's more opportunity for her in Los Angeles. So she moves out to Los Angeles and becomes a cocktail waitress. So... Look, I'm not bashing anybody. I literally don't care if a man did this. Nobody would bat an eye. I do not care that she moved to LA to make the best life for herself. It seems like the dad was more than capable of raising the son. The son had a great life. Mm -hmm. He's doing fine. What I do think is funny is when she's like, I had to move to LA to to provide for my son. It was the only way I could make enough money. I couldn't support him on some dead-end desk job. And I was like, "Mm, I bet you could have, actually. I do bet you could have. And I also think that one... Think New York and LA are very different cities, but they do both have cocktail waitresses. Yeah. So she moves to LA to become a cocktail waitress. She works at some steakhouse that is partly owned by none other than one Mr. Tom Girardi. If you're not a a lover of the Real Housewives, you may not know who he is, but let me tell you, you may know of him. He was the lawyer that the movie Aaron Brockovich was based on. So his He was Aaron Brockovich? Mm-hmm. Julia, <laughs> Julia Roberts played him. He said, you get to pick anybody. <laughs> he said, well, I've got a winning smile and long legs. Let's and get Julia. tits. <laughs> no, but he was the lawyer. And so he is this like kind of famous class action lawyer who fights for people. And she talks about falling in love with him. She's 26 at the time. He is 59. There's a 33-year age gap between them. She says that that doesn't bother her because she loves learning. He's so fun. That looks don't matter to her. She doesn't have a type. She just wants somebody that she can respect and look up to. Does it help that he has two planes? Sure. Sure. They're married within the year. Much like Holly, she like casually moves into his house when her lease is up. Yeah. And is like, I'm just moving in until I find something else. And you know what? When you have free, free rent in Pasadena in a Pasadena mansion... A mansion. Like she says that when she moved in, she stayed in the guest room technically, but would just sleep in his bed every night. And then by the end of the month, they were like, I guess you just kind of live here. Yeah. So she marries him. The the son that she moved to LA to provide for does not move. No. She says that they have him on summers. Mm -hmm. She says because they have the private plane, they fly back and forth. Once every two weeks. Yes. And she spent the next several years just like being a model wife. She would like lay out Tom Girardi's clothes. She like remodeled the house several times. She spent a lot of time like being a really good wife to him. Yes. And then at a certain point, she decided it was time to try some something new. I do want to add one little incident that happened when she was 25 so she was raised by a single mother her father had abandoned her when the mom was pregnant and like never really been a part of her life at all but she had always been aware of where he was at because weirdly enough her father's brother married her mom's best friend it's very small town I mean it's very like they were all high schoolers yeah so in the same way that if like you liked a boy and he'd be like I'm bringing my brother and you'd be like I bring my best friend now imagine that was the rest of your life you got stuck in that situation so when she was 25 she goes out to visit her father who lives in Oakland at this point and I think is a police officer and you know they haven't seen each other in 25 years they're chatting they're trying to get along 
he makes a weird jab about her mother. He's like, um, how's her weight? It always fluctuated, which is rude. That's insane to have to be talking to your daughter for the first time in 25 years and to make a jab about the mom's weight. But the mother who you abandoned, it's not like she ruined your life. It's not even like, oh, that bitch who squeezed every moment of joy out of my life. Like you left her truly 25 years ago. You should have had a good time. But so basically they have a little kid, the father and his new wife. Mm-hmm. And Erica's like, oh, what made you want a new kid or whatever? And he goes, well, you know, she had never had kids and neither had I. So we just figured. And then she said after that moment, it was like, oh, you literally don't even think I exist. Yeah. And she never spoke to him again. That is traumatizing, frankly. It's a really upsetting thing to have happened, but the way she talks about it is... We talk about it with Brian. Ice cold. If you watch the show, she's famous for being kind of an ice queen. She's very detached. She's very removed from her emotions. Some could say very in control. Others could say numb. Others still can say masked and faking. But you don't get more in the book. There's no like, here's where I really open up. It's not like an act for TV. It's an act for her whole life. Yeah. I mean, it's debatable, I guess. Is it an act or is it, has she just found some zen that nobody else on earth has found? She could be the most zen woman alive and she channeled that into the zen sensation Erica Jane. Yes, but I did want to say, so she, that was a trauma that we'll put on the put on the pod. Yeah, that was a trauma. Anyway, so after a couple of years of being the wife of all wives, um, she decides she wants to revisit her performing aspirations, and she decides to um, borrow some coin from her hardworking husband and produce an album as Erica Jane. So, yeah, she gets this card from this guy, Travis Payne, who is a very famous choreographer who had worked with... Madonna, TLC, Lady Gaga, and the greats. He had been the choreographer from Michael Jackson on his last tour. They had gone to high school together, that great magnet high school. She meets this choreographer. Who she knew from high school, and basically she got an invitation to this show that this other rich wife he had put on. And so she calls him, and she puts it together. She puts together the Erica Jane Project, which is what she refers to it throughout the book. Yes, she never refers to it as her album, her career, anything. It is the Erica Jane Project, a separate entity from herself. So they put this on, and crazy enough, it like works. Um, one of her songs goes number one in the U.S. She's had a... U.S. dance charts. U.S. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. She wasn't... You didn't like miss the Erica Jane battling it out with Rihanna for the top <laughs> of Z100. She um, dance charts, but still, that's something. She's had like a half a dozen, and so she starts keeping it up and she's got this team she meets up with this man named Mikey who becomes like her creative director they do music videos they're just paying for it all out the butt yeah constantly. but I mean they developed quite a little cult fan base and then one day when she was with you know took off her Erica Jane mask and put on her Beverly Hills housewife pants she was hanging out with her pal Yolanda Hadid yeah I guess so after about seven years of doing the Erica Jane project she was like it's about peaked it's it doesn't seem like there's anywhere else for it to go and if it were to go somewhere else we would have to like really figure something out the next day she's offered the real housewives she joins no problem easy and the rest is sort of history she becomes a huge star Mm -hmm. um she's in the kim kardashian game erica jane becomes a hit there's that snl skit about her that's so funny i mean she really does become a household name i think she becomes a huge the gays love her. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but they do. It's proved me <laughs> wrong. I don't say she has a big gay following. She has a lot of pride parades. I do want to end this book. So this book ends with her being like, look, my life's great. 
That's kind of the end, huh? Yeah. Oh, she does Dancing with the Stars. That was a big moment. Yeah. So it, it all worked out for her. She did become a huge household name. She's still married to Tom. Technically. It, technically. I will say in the last six to eight months, for those of you who do not know, there has Shit's been a lot come undone. of Girardi drama. So first out of nowhere in October, she files for divorce from him. Yeah. This is huge because a big part of her persona on the show is that, yes, he's 33 years older, but it works for us and we love each other. And they seem to have an agreement. Like, I don't think anybody ever thought that that was like a real relationship to this day. He's 81 years old and she's 49 in the, at the prime of her life. But I do think people are like, she kind of served her duty as his work wife. I see mm-hmm. her as she almost had a role. He needed somebody to bring to dinners. He needed somebody to travel with him. And she was a gracious host. And when she was done, when he clocked out, she clocked out. And I think I've heard she has a bungalow in downtown LA. They have their deal. Right. Um, so when she files for divorce, everybody's like, what the fuck's going on? Then all of a sudden there's these cheating rumors where she's like accusing him of cheating 10 years ago. And everybody's like, well, that's bizarre. And then it comes out that Tom Girardi is being sued by the plaintiffs that he himself represented in an airline case where the airline crashed and the survive the, the people who died's family were suing the airline. He stole from them over $1 million that was then found to be deposited in EJ Global. EJ Global is Erica Jane Global, the business that runs the Erica Jane project. So everybody's thinking like, what is going on? He is supposed to go to court. She's separated from him. She claims she didn't know. He hasn't been to court yet because now he's claiming he has Alzheimer's and can't go. Wow. So it is still up in the air. She is still gung-ho's divorce. I think so far the divorce has been rejected by the courts because they think it's suspicious. They look to her Erica Jane lifestyle and they believe that either she's leaving to protect her ass, like she saw that the lawsuit was coming and she wanted to get out of the line of fire, or that this was something they came up with together to protect half the assets. Because in the state of California, since they have been together for almost 30 years... She is legally entitled to half of his assets. I know from the Kim K and Kanye West divorce that whatever the official data separation is, i.e. when the public gets wind of it, whenever it's officially filed, whenever you're known to be separated, that is when all assets are separated and frozen from one another's lawsuits. That's what people are saying Kim did with Kanye. So it's pretty suspicious. It seems like a, it seems unlikely that she, A, wouldn't have known this lawsuit was on the horizon, that this would have yeah. nothing to do with the divorce timing. And it also seems unlikely, B, that she wouldn't know that a million of the dollars that was put into her foundation or her business came from stolen goods. He is also the sole board member of her company. So it's fully embezzling. So it's not really a board, is it? No. (laughs) Um, He's also being sued, his former partners, for not a lot of money. I want to say a couple hundred thousand dollars. I don't know what the legal implications of that would be other than maybe like trying to establish that they are not on his side, that he... Maybe you would do that just to say, look, he stole from us too. We didn't steal it like him. I know he was being sued by Wells Fargo for not paying rent on his Chicago office. So he's under a lot of fire. His brother is coming out and is actually acting as his conservator because he's saying he has Alzheimer's. I think at one point he was saying he had COVID and because he's 81, he's too sick and frail oh, to even know his own mess. name. They're claiming he doesn't know his own name. At one point they said he only has $200 in his bank account, that he's absolutely broke. 
it's not adding up. We're going to see how it all pans out. I am very curious to see how it all pans out. If any major revelations happen, we'll be sure to talk about them. I will say, as a Real Housewives aficionado, you know, one of the big problems of that show is people see it as a gateway to success. It's a real fake it till you make it. But sometimes what happens is you fake it until you go bankrupt and end up in jail. And that is, you know, for every Bethany Frankel, There's a there is a Taylor Armstrong, Judy Che. That's what I meant. But anyway, without further ado, we are so excited to introduce you guys to the funniest, Brian Moylan. Thank you so much for being here, Brian. We are so excited to have you. Thank you for having me. I am a huge fan as well now. And I do want to say, first of all, I think that this episode will be so fun. It was such a fun book to read because I was almost entirely introduced to Erica Jane slash Erica Girardi through this book. And then after I read it, I went back and watched some episodes and read some recaps. But Claire is like a diehard housewife, Stan. Is there like a fan name? Uh, I don't think so. There should be. Like the sister yeah. wives? How is there not <laughs> I mean, now that we have Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, that might be a little close to home. <laughs> Do you see the Jen, the ex- expose Jen video that just came out? Of course, yes. I thought she was playing it up for the camera, but I guess not, girl. So, she needs wow. to go to therapy. I don't think Coach <laughs> Shaw's pep talks are really working through the trauma of whatever she's been through. And I'm curious if this is like recent trauma or has she always been like this? Is she like this because of the show? I really believe now that he's been having affairs and she was like, if you give me money, I think she's been acting like a reality star her whole life. Do you know what I mean? I think in her yeah. adult age to compensate for not being loved properly or in a real relationship where your husband would come to your father's funeral, she has compensated by just acting like a reality star because then it's interesting drama it's like a like a trauma response to be like this isn't heartache this is a plot arc (laughs) (laughs) right yeah i thought she was like playing up that behavior like for tv but it turns out no she's just like that you know every real housewife i've ever met is exactly like she is on television while we're on salt lake what is your feeling on lisa barlow are you pro or against I am against Lisa Barlow, but I appreciate her dedication to the reality television arts and sciences. Like, I think she's like good to have around, but I, I'm not going to be supporting her anytime soon. Will you and be buying think- the wolf products that her sons so lovingly crafted from their own brains? <laughs> I thought about it um, as like a joke. I mean, there's nothing better to give a Housewives fan than like a gag Housewives product. <laughs> so, you know, that's always good. Maybe like a giveaway or something. I don't know. But I I also think that Lisa Barlow thought she was going to come across a lot cuter than she did. Like, I'm so busy. I can't even answer the phone when my kids call during Sundance. And then everyone's like, um, you're a bad mother. <laughs> I, I will, only yeah. take my kids to the McDonald's drive-thru because I don't cook. And everyone's like, you're going to make your kids obese. And so I think she thought like, she's so cute and she's going to take over the world. And then everyone's like, oh, that didn't come off as cute as you. I will like. say from like watching a lot of reality TV and then like reading now so many reality TV memoirs and stuff like that. I think that the one thing that people think they can do is control how they're portrayed on reality TV. And you literally yes. can never, unless you are being one thousand percent true to yourself whatever you think you're putting out there is not what is coming through the other end of the television 
ever. Yes. And the people also, that we, try really hard to are the ones that come across really fake and are the yeah. ones that the fans turn on. And also the other thing that we've learned from all these memoirs is you can be anything but not a bad mother. And <laughs> I will say when Lisa Barlow was like, Warren Buffett doesn't have to stop. I'm like, well, how close are you to Warren Buffett? Is that? Yeah. <laughs> but Erica Jane, can you talk to us about how you guys initially hooked up to write this book? So her book agent was a fan of my recaps. And, you know, I always wrote very positively about Erica Jane and loved her from the get-go. And, you know, she liked my writing and whatever. And she and Erica had this book deal. She was like, would you be interested in talking to Erica? And I was like, uh, duh. (laughs) And so um, Erica called me. It was on my birthday. She's like, hi, Brian, this is Erica Jane. That's my Erica Jane voice. (laughs) So we like chatted about what she wanted to do and what I thought I could do. And you know, I had never ghostwritten a book before, written a book before. I've done several uh, since then. And she was like, well, you've never done this. I've never done this. Like, let's do it together and make something great and whatever. So we signed up, did it. I was living in New York at the time and she came to New York and we met for like a weekend while she was here in New York doing some other stuff. And then I went to LA a few times to work with her but most of the time it was just over the phone. Interesting. Yeah. Kind you of. Got, a, you got to do an episode weird. though, right? You got to be on yeah. the show. Cause I remember seeing you and being like, I know him. I thought it was very cool of Erica to pick somebody who we were saying you, you often hold them accountable. I was going to ask if you had a relationship with any of the other housewives. I mean, you're, you're really ribbing them and I think it's like all out of love and in good fun, but like you don't let anyone get away with any of their crap? Have any of them that you've met taken like less of a liking? <laughs> Usually the ones who say things are the ones that I like, like yeah. the ones that I support. I hear from and they're like, oh yeah, this Brian, he's so great. But then it's like, eventually they do something. Like Kelly Dodd was always a big fan of mine because I really like Kelly Dodd. And then it, she kind of turned a corner and Kelly Dodd doesn't tweet my recaps anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so usually it's that. But speaking of Lisa Vanderpump, I once accused her of lying about her age. And she got mad at me and said she doesn't lie about her age. And I said, okay, fine. Because I try to not to pick on anyone like physically. Like if it's plastic surgery or a tattoo or a bad wig or like they eat or that just seems like a little too low for me. So I was like, okay, I'll apologize because I guess that's kind of like making fun of her appearance and saying looks older than she says she does. But I still think she likes about her age. So (laughs) I have a question. Have you always known that they read your recaps and were very aware of you? Was it harder at first to like stay honest, stay zingy or were you able to push through that? I just kind of like don't give a shit because (laughs) at the end of the day, I don't owe them anything. Since I wrote the book and was very honest about writing the book, I told my editor at Vulture, hey, like Eric asked me to write this book. Do you care if I keep doing the recaps? They're like, no, let's just tell. And then like, whatever. And the commenters get very upset. Like, oh, Brian's always kissing Erica's ass because he's on her payroll and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you're worried about the ethics of Real Housewives (laughs) recapping? Like, get it together. And also, I always loved Erica, even before, especially when it comes to Erica, it's like, I could just totally slag her off and it wouldn't be enough. And if I'm like totally nice to her, that's not good. Like, so whatever I do, they're going to just have something to throw against me. So I just like, don't give a shit and do whatever I want. So I read her book and I will say one thing that came across about Erica Jane or Erica Girardi is that she will hold a grudge 
And it like scared the shit out of me. I get being mad at the high school teacher who lied to her about her performances, but the girl who took a pair of shoes by accident, it seemed, I'd be like, I feel like she would still scream at her dead grandma for something they she did when Erica was seven. Did you live in fear of Erica at all? <laughs> I don't, I would not live in fear of Erica. You know, there would be times where we'd be like talking on the phone and she'd be like, Brian, these are stupid journalist questions that everybody asks me. Like, I know you're better than that. And I'm like, oh, okay, you're right. Actually, I am better than that. And so like, she's, I wouldn't say she's mean, but she like knows what she wants and she works very hard and she wants you to work hard and she wants to make like the best thing possible. So she is, you know, somewhat demanding, but not in like uh, mm-hmm. Naomi Campbell, like throw her phone at you demanding way, yeah. but she does kind of want the best. Yeah. But she does, um, remember all the things that happened. That was <laughs> wild when she was like talking about the high school teacher and she's like, I don't know if we've ever like fully come to terms with how that shook out. And I was like, do you still want to? <laughs> I think he passed away. Oh my God. I will say finding out that Erica Jane's middle name is Nay after Nene, short for Renee was... <laughs> It really reminds you that people come from anywhere. You know what I mean? (laughs) That a bitch with two planes could come from very humble beginnings. (laughs) You do not understand. It took me like the better part of an afternoon to get that out of her because she's like, I don't want to say, I don't want to say, I don't, I was like, bitch, come on. It can't be that bad. And then I was like, oh, it's that bad. bad. (laughs) (laughs) And it's going in the book. (laughs) So on TV, she comes across kind of cold. Would you say that that's a fair? She definitely is hard to perturb. Besides that one day when she had the famous Eileen Davidson explosion. Yeah. She's pretty wrapped up. I feel like in this book, she also comes across, I mean, she talks about being rejected to her face by her father and being like, well, I was sad, but you move on. Do you think that there is some like deep recess of her that's just like crying all the time? Or do you think that is who she is to her core? No, I think that she has like processed a lot of this stuff, like a lot of the stuff with her mom and her dad and, you know, being a young mother and going through divorce. Like, I think she's just kind of worked through it all. And so she comes at it from a bit of a remove in that it like doesn't hurt her anymore. So I think it like comes across a little bit like she's cold, even though it's like, this obviously hurt me at the time and was very difficult, but now I'm cool with it. So when she recalls it, it's not like, oh, like she's crying about it. She's just kind of talking yeah. about it a little bit matter-of-factly. Do you think she's been to therapy? That's a good question. I don't think that she's had, but also like some of the times we'd be talking and she'd be like, this is like therapy. Like, yes. <laughs> Which like everybody whose book I've ever written has said at one point, cause I'm just like, well, why, how does that make you feel? What did you do after? You know, it's like, it ends up being like a lot of the same questions and people just talking about things they hadn't thought about in a long time or maybe she hasn't been to like actual therapy, but she's been to you and you are not <laughs> covered by <laughs> exactly. Insurance. I mean, she was probably paid. paid me. Yeah. <laughs> As much as you would pay a therapist, maybe? <laughs> I don't know. In person, she would always be excited to see me. I always get a hug. We'd like chat. Like when we talk on the phone, she like asked about my life. I've never found her to be a cold person, but I can see, yeah, she she doesn't get like worked up. She has a pretty like even keel. I feel like the only times in the book that she ever seems hyper emotional is these grudges 
that she's been holding. I feel like she can get mad, but like she doesn't really show you when she's sad or hurt or bothered, you know? That's true. She says a lot. She goes, I don't cry when I'm sad. I don't cry when I'm tired. I'm, I cry when I'm angry. She's like a man in that way. <laughs> she's very in touch with her anger. I relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she is. But like, it's not like she's angry all the time. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. like I've never really seen her angry, angry. She's no Jen Shaw. <laughs> no. One thing I noticed throughout the entire book is never like my full-on singing career, my artist discography or whatever. Like it was always like the Erica Jane project that feels like a very specific way to package it to be like, listen, if you don't like it, it was just a little project. And if you did like it, it was this explosive project. Either way, like I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't trying to be a famous pop star. It was just a project. <laughs> well, and I also think that it's it's kind of because like since the show and stuff, the project is this like persona. So it's not just about the music. It's about being on the show. It's about selling Fenty. It's about selling her shoes and all of that together. This like Mm -hmm. whole persona wrapped up together. And I also think it's a way for her to compartmentalize it as separate from like Erica Girardi. It's like, okay, here's the Erica Jane project and all of its multifaceted, you know, thing. I would call her personally like the Marina Abramovich of our time, like almost uh, (laughs) an all-encompassing performance artist that we are living in. (laughs) I mean, yeah. Erica and her husband had fallen into a bit of legal trouble at the moment. The husband's in legal trouble. The husband's in legal trouble and she's trying to... Erica has filed for a divorce. So they're both having experiences right now. What do you think will happen to the team that she pays? I have no idea. I mean, Mikey also does a bunch of other non-Erica Jane stuff. So it's not like this is his full-time job. I think like Mikey will be okay. I don't know her salary Mm -hmm. for sure, but based on the research I did for my own book about the Real Housewives, I know a ballpark of what she's making is probably between like four and $500,000 a season. So she's like making good money from the housewives and then like all her other deals on top of that and you know whatever else she's bringing in so yeah i don't know if it can support the level of staff that she's accustomed to i don't know if they're going to be flying business uh on housewives trips anymore but she and mikey talk to each other every day all the time so even if he weren't working for her as much as he was, I know that they would still be in like constant contact. Did you ever see receipts kind of, do you have any sense of what she was paying to before the housewives? What do you think it cost to create the project of Erica Jane? I have no idea. I have never seen receipts. I never asked for receipts. (laughs) Yeah. I've, no idea. But like we talked about some of it, like in the book, how she was already going on this Bahamas vacation with Tom. And so she's like, okay, we're just going to bring a camera crew and we'll make a video while we're there. But a so camera think, crew is not cheap. <laughs> exactly. And flying them there and putting them up and whatever. So I'm sure it took considerable resources, but I also feel like with the housewives and all of that, the Erica Jane project has most likely been profitable okay i did not believe that i would not have assumed it would have broken even yet even to be honest i mean yeah i bet it has and you know she was like uh, yeah yeah i, I, I mean yeah, well, that office know. in la you're looking at the monthly four to five hundred thousand dollars what do we think she's spending on that off that's gotta be like a 
$10,000 a month office she has in downtown LA, right? No, it's not that much. It's just a one bedroom apartment. In the um, show? Yeah. I thought it was like a pretty big. No, it's just, uh, okay. I've been there. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> there's, that's why we get the, the experts to set me straight. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's probably all. It's just like a one bedroom apartment that she uses okay. as an office. So it's probably not $10,000. It's probably a probably not to, okay. dollars a month. Yeah. Like so. two. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say it was just funny because I re- I listened to um, Bitch Sesh recently re-released an episode that you were on where you guys were talking about Erica Jane a little bit in the beginning and they were talking about the way that she travels with such an entourage always before the show, during the show. She has like hair, makeup, her Erica Jane crew. And it was just like very interesting to hear like Casey Rose Wilson, who's been on SNL and all this stuff, be like, very famous people don't do that. <laughs> No, they don't. <laughs> like it's and very expensive. I, before the show, when she would go and do concerts, she would have her dancers and whatever. And I think that she was probably doing some form of her own makeup, you know, whatever, her hair. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like a huge production. But I also appreciate the thing that she's brought to Houses of Beverly Hills, which is it is a visual medium. Like you are on television and this is like the product that you're selling. And so you need to make it look good. Ever since she showed up with those pros, like the the glam arms race on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills has gone through the roof. You see like Tinsley was bringing someone on New York and whatever, but most of the old school people, like Ramona's not paying anyone to do hair and makeup. Like Nini's not bringing anybody around. Like no one else is paying that level of money. For yeah, she really brought forth the Jen Shaw with more than one assistant. I mean, who, yeah. <laughs> who needs that many assistants? <laughs> it's also funny that like... We see a lot of Erica making her videos and fun stuff like that. We never see Ramona like buying, you know, excess retail stock and selling it to TJ Maxx, which is how she's made millions of dollars, but it's fucking boring as shit. Did you know about Erica Jane before the show? No, I did not. Who are the, I did not. These gays that she claims loved her so much <laughs> because Where of her dance records. <laughs> Have you ever met one? <laughs> oh, well, I will say back in the day, I worked at a magazine called Next Magazine for homosexuals. It was yes. like Time Out New York, in, but for gay people. And so it was like all the club stuff and things that were going on around town, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so and there were always these kind of like pop diva women who would kind of come and go. And so I'm sure Erica Jane like would have been pitched to me and probably would have gone to see her at Splash. Yeah, she was definitely around. I mean, it's not like she was Lady Gaga, who I was pitched when she was an unknown. And I saw her in like a gay bar with 10 people. Oh my and, God. You know, was she good? Everybody was like, Did you know that she would be Lady Gaga? No, I had no clue. And it's like these queens like ignoring her. And it was very early. Like she was doing Just Dance. She had those like glasses with the rhinestones on them. And it was like, who is this girl? Like what the hell is going on? But I mean, she was Lady Gaga and she was good and the songs were catchy, but most of them don't end up being Lady Gaga. They end up being fucking nobody. Mm -hmm. So. Well, I have this question for you. Yes. Pre-Housewives, where would you rate Erica Jane as a legitimate career from a scale of Sonia Morgan's toaster ovens to Denise Richards acting. I mean, I feel like it was definitely a vanity project. Like as she, you know, talks about, Mm -hmm. she wanted to get out of the house and go back to performing and had the means to do that. So she did. But I I also think we talk about in the book about right before Housewives started, it like wasn't really clicking and she was kind of like ready to hang it up. 
And so, you know, once it wasn't really working, she was ready to give it up. You know, I think it was legit enough and she like tried and mm-hmm. it may or may not have taken, but it, you know, thanks to the show, it kind of took off. But I listened to a lot of her music and she has some jams. Like she has some legit good songs. I unironically enjoy her music and I wish she would make more of it, honestly, because I think that with the show, she gets really busy and, you know, it's hard to make new mm-hmm. music, but I wish she would be doing it because I think that once the show ends, as it does for everybody, she'll be playing prides forever. So, yeah. <laughs> you know. That's true. So I here's another I question I have. Concert, um, and it, this is Erica? It on the show. Yeah. She, and she did like a little concert tour. And it, I think on not the last season, the season before where the women go to her concert and that show was fucking legit. Like pyrotechnics, videos, mm. dancing, the whole like shirtless background dancers. Like it was amazing. And the people were eating it up. So I believe that. Good on her. I feel like she's kind of the Bethany of Beverly Hills and that she was able to gather all the momentum and make a legitimate go of something. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and I do know that she is very hardworking and, Mm -hmm. you know, so she's not afraid to, unlike a Sonia Morgan who might rather get facials than make a toaster off. (laughs) Like she'll put the, the hard work in. I will say that's something she says about like putting the money into the music because we know this as comics. I mean, it's, it's easy to be like, oh, they're only famous because they had a lot of money behind them. But on the reverse side, there's a lot of rich people who cannot get shit done. Like there's some people that I'm just like, what else are you doing? You literally, yeah. I know people yeah. who are like, well, my parents are treating this like grad school. So they gave me 50K just to see what would happen for the next three years. And I'm like, then why won't you write a joke? Just sit down. Right. <laughs> but there are also people who do have the money and do put the money in and do try something. And I genuinely do think at a certain point, it has to be talent. For example, Taylor Swift, people are always like, Oh, I mean, she like came from money. Her parents like put a lot of money into like helping her launch her career. Her dad basically like bought Big Machine Records. And it's like, I don't know, as of yesterday, she has three album of the year Grammys. I don't think that that yeah, is money. Exactly. Um, because there's well, a lot of I mean, <laughs> people look who at like, Quibi. I mean, they put $2 billion into Quibi and it didn't work. Right. Like, you it know, is such a good example. It's like, money will only take you so far. And I think we even said this in the book. There are plenty of famous people who tried to do this stuff and it didn't work. And it worked for Erica because she got on a reality show and, you know, like it or not. But even the women on the reality show. We'll see what happens to Great Wolf Men Care. <laughs> like, not all of them have yes, a product that pops exactly. off. I mean, remember Vicky's Vodka? No, you don't. <laughs> or what about Pop of Color from Kristen Takeman? I mean, how's that energy drink doing? How is... The energy drink is very well. It's, oh, okay, it's, my bad. It's, it's in, um, like, Whole Foods. Whoa. Like the, the husband's, like, energy drink does well. Pop of color is R.I.P., but... but I want to take a note of a line when Erica does Dancing with the Stars, and she asks the two Lisas what they thought, and Lisa Brenna says, it was the best experience of my life. I've never been in better shape. <laughs> I... What an indubitable anorexic. I've never <laughs> seen somebody so consistently have one value and it being skinny. <laughs> I cannot believe that everybody else was like, be careful. It's brutal. Cause actually, so I'm friends with Nikki Glazer, who I think had Gleb the very next season. And she's like, it's brutal. Everyone I've heard is like, it is so hard. And it like, if you don't think you're going to cry over dancing, you're wrong. It's yeah. hard. And for Lisa Rinna to be like, I loved it. I burned a billion calories a day. I was like, wow, you really only do have one lane. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think Lisa Rinna is another one like Erica who will just work 
herself to death. Erica ended up getting hurt, you know, doing the show yeah. and had to have surgery and stuff. And so, yeah, it is brutal. And it was, she did not. But Lisa liked the, it. <laughs> Lisa. Yeah. Erica Jane did not love it. So. <laughs> like Lisa Rinna. If you can count on one thing is that that girl is going to be like, look at my BMI. It's four. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I have visible abs. Okay. <laughs> the way she has pimped. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> Scott Disick, man. I mean, yikes. She, do you think of her as a legitimate madam? At what point are you a madam? <laughs> I don't know that she's a madam, but like. Oh, why yeah, though why, what do you think because <laughs> she only has access to one girl <laughs> well I don't think she's like uh, yeah I don't know how much she is like orchestrating and how much she just like set up a system where they orchestrated themselves if that makes sense is she like go fuck Scott Disick or did she just be like get rich and famous at all costs and that's what the daughter is like doing fulfilling it and that's the the interesting thing about the real housewives is that you know people ask oh is it real is it scripted like are people telling them to do things for storylines you know whatever and the answer ostensibly is no like the producers are never like make up with this woman pick a fight with this woman like do whatever but the women know to stay on the show they have to create drama and so it's like okay well i guess i'll go fight with this woman because i have to stay on the show so they're never saying like do this thing, but they have it created this environment where people know that they have to do these things in order to, you know. And the things they around. pick are like just as telling. <laughs> like if I had been Luann, I don't think I could have known to demand what she demanded for having gotten married. Do you know what I mean? Like that season when her and Tom got married, it right. would not have crossed my mind to say, because I'm getting married, I should have the best room on a vacation. Because I'm getting married, everybody should have asked me what I wanted to order at dinner first because I'm getting married. Right. And so that's yes. like, you can't script that. That's just a beautiful mind at play <laughs> that we get to watch. <laughs> yes. That is just dedication to the reality television arts and sciences. We appreciate the hard work that it takes to entertain us because it is not easy. Okay. So my question, my less petty question would be, for Erica Girardi as a mother, I found interesting because most of the members, the women are very quick to be like, I was a great mom. I was hands-on. No matter what I did, I was a good mother. She did not seem to be that involved in her son's life. In real life, what do you think her relationship is to the way she raised her son? Does she have any like regrets about leaving him? I, yes, I think she does. And, you know, we discussed this more than we talked about anything else because, um, you know, I don't want to say she's touchy about it, but I think a lot of people, especially like when she got on the show and, and, you know, people like dug up information about her, there kind of became this like narrative, like Erica abandoned her son and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so she really wanted to counter that narrative, which I get. And so I think the thing is that, you know, she raised her son from when he was very young and then you know, his father wasn't bringing in enough money and she wasn't bringing enough money. She couldn't get any more work in New York. And so she had to go to LA to try to get work so that she could provide like for her son. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, so I think that if this were a father, if a father left his kid in the care of the mother and went to LA for more opportunities to like make a lot of money and send it back, we would never be like, oh, he's a bad father. Like, I mean, she was talking to her son on the phone all the time. She was helping him with his homework. She would see him, you know, every school break, he was out there with her. He spent summers with her, 
you know, so she was very involved. And they seem close now. Like now totally, he's out yeah. and, and Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, and he was living with her for, her and Tom for a bunch. So, and I think that they're physically closer now and talk a lot and, you know, they still have a great relationship and, you know, I don't think a lot of people really understand the decisions that she's, she made, but I do think that it ultimately worked out for her. So I don't begrudge her. Cause I think she did work. I mean, she went out and what did she need to do? Find money. And Lord knows she found she struck that well. I she found yeah. money and a plane and another plane, but I was curious <laughs> about her lack of regret. She didn't seem to have any like wavering in her review of it, which I found unique because I think most people most mothers look back and feel stressed about how they how they did as a mother and she did not seem to have any qualms about a pretty unique decision she made I well I think also like her son's 25 now and a cop and has a good career and you know what and and so it's like she's out on the other end of it so she's not worried like did I fuck up my kid like she knows that her son's fine and is going to live a good life and is a well-adjusted human being so I don't think she has like those kinds of regrets but like could she have had her son with her all the time and like had a more active role in raising him? I think she absolutely would have, but I don't think that she, you know, second guesses her decision because it kind of worked out. First of all, I think it like takes a lot of strength to make that choice to not be like the primary parent, especially when you're the mom, um, because like you see greater opportunity because she like obviously found it and she would not have any of the stuff she has now had she not, made that choice but um I do think that like there was a little bit of justification for other people written into the book a little bit like I think the way she was like absolutely was here's like here's how often I saw him I flew back this often I was there for him for this and that and so like I think that I don't necessarily see that she had any regret but I do think she sees where other people see it as like probably because of some of the negative feedback she's gotten and people digging stuff up but there was definitely like some acknowledgement that she like made a choice that is like deeply unorthodox, you know? Yes. And I think that that was definitely like in there because of that. Cause I think that she's heard it a lot, even before she was on the show, because you know, she's the young, pretty wife of this older gentleman around LA and people are going to talk shit about her. And they're like, do you know, she has a son that she left behind in New York, you know? Like, so I think it's something that she's had to answer for, for a long time. And she was like, I'm, I want to set the record straight, you know, I'm going to do my Meghan Markle sit down with Oprah and I'm going (laughs) to tell you my side of the story. (laughs) And, and that's what it is. It's funny because her side of the story is, yeah, I did. (laughs) I mean, she, yeah, like, yeah, I did it. I knew it was for the best and it all worked out. So guess what? Fuck you. And, you know, and that's what I love about Erica is that, you know, she's, not afraid of the decisions that she's made. And, you know, she is very collaborative. She'll ask everyone, like, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? And then she'll be like, okay, this is what we're doing. And then that's just like it. Like she, she can be very decisive. And that's what she did with this was like, okay, nobody else is doing it. So fuck you. I'm going to make it happen. So speaking of family, I was looking, I mean, just obviously knowing now that she has filed for divorce from Tom Girardi, her second Tom, um, she, really her third Tom I guess her third Tom I, every single man she's ever loved has been named Tom um, <laughs> did you have a sense that this relationship was ending or over when you were writing the book because in the way it reads to me I think that she still like cares for him a lot 
and like does, obviously doesn't regret any part of the relationship. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of anger, but it sort of read as almost like eulogizing the relationship. Like everything felt very like he was a wonderful partner. Um, I think that when we were writing the book, it was now ooh, like almost four or five years ago. So I think, you know, a lot can change in, yeah. in that time frame. But like, I think that because of the show and her career taking off, the dynamic shifted a bit in their relationship. And it was like shifting at the time we were working together. So I think that might be a little bit of what you're seeing in there is Mm -hmm. that, you know, things were changing. I never met him, but I would see them on the phone together or, you know, talking to each other. And they always seem to really care for each other and respect each other and, you know, communicate. And, you know, I do think that there was a lot of affection there. And just like talking to her about, oh, what'd you do last night? It's like, Oh, Tom and I went to dinner and, you know, we sat around and we watched this old movie and blah, blah, blah. It's like they just kind of had a normal couple relationship. Yeah. I don't think at the time she was thinking like, oh, shit, I'm going to divorce him. Like, you know, so many years down the road. I mean, they've been together like 20 plus years. So, but I think that like the thing with her son this is another thing that she's always having to defend where it's like, people are always calling it into question. It's like, I've been married to this guy for 20 something years. Like we've been through all sorts of ups and downs together. Like when will you leave me alone about it? Yeah. Yeah. I never, I definitely never questioned that their relationship was legitimate. I do think it was interesting. The parts of the book where she's like talking about how, when they got together, she was like, it just never even occurred to me that he was like 33 years older than me. And I was like, it probably did a, occur to you but maybe it doesn't right. matter to you <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. funniest, yeah. the line that made me laugh out loud when I was reading was she was talking about how much she loved being around him because he didn't mansplain like most men he would take her out to dinner and then truly explain a case to her and ask her opinion and legitimately listen and then she was like I later found out it was because I was the layman's opinion and they needed to know how to talk to a jury and I was like okay so you were like the representative of the idiot and the group. they're like oh, yeah. a dumb person talk about this Erica chime in <laughs> well I don't think a dumb person but well that's what's interesting about Erica is like as you know from the book she has a high school education she never went to college or anything but she is very intelligent and she like picks things up right away and you know she really knows her shit and when you talk to her about like legal stuff it's like yeah she learned a lot by just sitting around listening and she really was like picking things up and so you know eventually yeah she was the lay person's opinion but after a while I think she was a lot savvier than um she might have let on or they might have given her credit for. I I mean, I've been on a jury and let me tell you, they're not my peers. Like, I mean, I was just like, who are these people? They don't know anything. (laughs) So to be like, you're the representative of them. I was like, these people, the things I watched them fall for in a, in like a car accident case, I was like, do not compare me to these people. (laughs) Right. Um, Wait, I actually have one other thing that stuck out to me regarding the law stuff is when um, she signed her first contracts for the Erica Jane project. Yeah, this is bizarre. And he was, and oh, she was no, like, Oh no, this was for the show. And she oh, like yeah, didn't yeah. read it. Oh yes. The first yeah. con- for the, for real housewives of Beverly Hills. I had two ways in my mind that this unfolded one. Okay. So for the listeners, when Erica Jane signed her or Erica Girardi sent her contract to be on real housewives, she like called her very high powered lawyer husband and was like, do you want to read this contract? And he was like, no, just sign it. So did he, I guess it could have been, my negative opinion is like, did he just not take her seriously at all? And he was like, yeah, whatever, just do it. It doesn't matter. If you're married or, to someone though, that's your life or, too. Or, 
was, did he take it so seriously that he was like, I'm such a good lawyer. It does not matter what's in that contract. If something goes wrong, I'll just get us out of it. I think it's the latter. Well, and I think like what he said to her was like, you need them more than they need you. So just sign whatever you want. But with the codicil that like, if it goes wrong, I'll take care of you. Yeah. And like, yeah. So I think it was kind of like a, you know, it was like the same reason they didn't have a prenup because he was kind of like, I'd fucking tear that shit to shreds in court anyway. So it doesn't matter to me. That is so funny to me that like, he was just like, yeah, we don't need a prenup because if something doesn't go my way, I'll figure out a loophole. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Which like, I mean, I appreciate your honesty, Tom Jordan. Yeah. (laughs) I have a prenup, but I'm just saying. (laughs) I mean, we're both laymen. What could we do in that court except for follow the law? Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Just be like... Give me my uh, like, baby baby collection. <laughs> yeah, I um, thought it was. I thought it was deeply astute of him to know the power of real of Real Housewives and reality TV for a man of his age to know that there's like nothing but good press. That he, and he said that about the real uh, Dancing with the Stars too. He was like, even if you look bad, it's better to have more people know your name. And I was like, this is not a 1930s opinion. Who told you to say that? That is so. Like he is aware of how things work. (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that, you know, because I think his career also always benefited from, from, from publicity. So yeah, I think he knew what the deal was. And I think, but at that point he saw what being on the show had done for her and was like, okay, if being on a cable show is going to do this for you, imagine what being on a network show that Mm -hmm. a lot of people watch is going to do for you. So, and I, I yeah. guess at that point she needed to be the breadwinner before that because according to him. Oh, I mean, no comment. But. I have to say, before I would steal from plane victims, I do think I would think to sell my own plane, but what do I know? Well. I'm poor. <laughs> exactly. You guys, that was the first half of our Erica Jane interview with Brian Moylan. That was the Erica Jane specific part of it. The next hour that we will put uncut on our Patreon is us just like shooting the shite, shooting the shite, saying every horrible thought in our brain about these truly horrible people. (laughs) Well, we say they're horrible people. Brian doesn't. Brian is an (laughs) angel with respect for some humans. But we have a lot of fun. We talk about all of the gossip. Brian is amazing. Check him out at Brian J. Moylan on Instagram. His book comes out May 25th. It's called The Housewives, The Real Story of the Real Housewives. You'll see even on the Patreon episode, he talks about his uh, research and he knows how much money they're making. So that's like one of my favorite really things. Really cool. But um, so check that out. And then of course on Twitter, he's on Twitter. He's also Brian J. Moylan. And then of course, just Google Real Housewives recap vulture. Do yourself a favor. Even if you don't follow those shows, his recaps are so funny. I'm a huge fan. I hope to see you guys on the Patreon. And... We'll see you next week. Love you.